listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. I am one of your hosts, Lashar Binkley. I am the Director of Basketball Operations for Overtime Heroics. I'm also a contributor for Space City Scoop. And of course, I am a uh, podcast host for Clutch City Control Room. And you can find me on Twitter at H-Town for Life 40, all caps. And I'm your second host, Anthony Duckett, uh, site expert for Space City Scoop. And of course, uh, podcast co-host for Clutch City Control Room. And you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We will greatly appreciate it. All right, Anthony. So uh, we have a, to me, the actual start of the regular season tomorrow with the uh, almost full score for the Rockets. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, there will still be no uh, Mason Jones and Ben McLemore, but uh, they got most of their core back. And in this, uh, in today's podcast, we're actually going to be talking about tomorrow's game. That's going to be in our first segment where we're going to preview the Rockets versus the Kings on their new uh, city edition court. And uh, in the second segment, uh, Anthony and myself, we're going to go over who we think should actually be in the starting lineup. And in the final segment uh, today, we're going to actually talk about more of an overview of the next 10 games uh, and how we kind of see where the Rockets are going to land after uh, their next 10 games, which has a few uh, hard games sprinkled in there. Um, but at the beginning of the podcast, you actually heard uh, DeMarcus Cousin and John Wall interview today. Uh, they actually spoke. Uh, Cousins was speaking on where he saw the Rockets in the West, and uh, John Wall was just speaking on the overall situation that led to um, almost half the team not being able to play in the first two games, which, of, of, course, of course, the Rockets lost. Um, but Anthony, uh, I want to kind of start with tomorrow's game versus the Kings. Um, how do you kind of see that game going? Um, I know we haven't really seen this, the squad fully together. We saw some in the preseason, but you're going to get so much from preseason games. So how do you kind of see tomorrow's game going? Uh, I think the Rockets are going to come out with a sense of urgency. Like you said, it's pretty much just an opening game. I mean, obviously they play two games and those count, but, they're also come with an asterisk. I mean, the Rockets without, you know, three of their best players off the top in, you know, Gordon, Wall, Boogie. You know, we kind of expected them to to lose, to be honest. And it's not a loser mentality. It's just the fact is, you know, Rockets were, you know, without five players. What was it? Ben McLemore didn't play either. Yeah. So so I expect this this game. And, and like you said, we're not going to be at 100% roster but we're gonna have gordon back you know boogie back john wall back um so i expect the rockets to come out with a sense of urgency uh i expect the game tomorrow to be um kind of an excitement a true glimpse for for them uh and for us to see you know obviously this team uh you know what they have what they've who they've added in the offseason i'm excited to see wood and boogie playing together i'm excited to see harden and wall playing together I'm excited to see um, De'Aaron Fox versus John Wall. You know, those guys are yes. both really athletic, driving to the basket, attacking. And and Fox has played well this season so far. Um, so I'm excited to see the Rockets. I know the Kings are 3-1, are, um, and one, but looking at their schedule, they really could, you know, and this is not always fair to do, but, 
<laughs> you look at their schedule, okay. you know, they they beat um, Sacramento. Uh, sorry, not Sacramento. They beat Phoenix. Um, that That's a legitimate win, of course. And they beat Denver in overtime, you know, season opener. That's a legitimate win. They lost in a back-to-back to Phoenix, and their law, they beat Denver. The last game they had was against Denver, and they were also on a back-to-back. So you can kind of look at that and say, well, you know, they, they, they took overtime to beat the Nuggets in the season opener. Could have lost that game. Obviously, they didn't. But – and then on top of that, you know, they, they beat Denver on a back-to-back. So they could very well be one and three, as you, as you were saying before we started. But I expect the Rockets to come out firing on all cylinders. What about you? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, like you said, the Kings are three and one. But if you're a legitimate contender – um, as great as has been a start for the Kings, you should still be able to win this game. Now, you know, you got to kind of uh, also look at it may be a little bit of rust because you haven't really had all these players together. And sometimes it takes a little time for chemistry. So I wouldn't be surprised if it takes them a little time to get things together tomorrow. But like you said, um, from reading the comments from Wall and Cousins, um, they're definitely ready to go. And then Cousins facing his former team. And um, that's always motivation right there. And from what we saw, um, when the Rockets uh, in the last two games, especially the first game where they had a, a pretty they had a double-digit lead against Portland and they just kind of just ran out of gas and the same thing against Denver, you saw that even with the few players that they had, and you add those in with Cousins and Wall and Gordon uh, coming back, they definitely have the you know, makings of a, a possible uh, contending team. It's just a matter of how fast they're going to be able to mesh together because they lost out on a lot of practice time, unfortunately, when they, you know none of those players, they only could, not only couldn't they not play, but they also couldn't practice. So that's kind of a, a big deal. Now, they did get a practice in today, which is good. Um, so, but like you said, I think they'll come out tomorrow. It may take them a little bit of time in that first quarter, but I think, uh, just with all the talent and how we've seen Christian Wood play, I think they come out and they try to make a statement tomorrow because like cousin said in that interview, a lot of people are already writing the Rockets off. You, you saw Anthony and a lot of those yeah. so-called predictions that they didn't even have the Rockets making the playoffs. They weren't yeah. even on the sheet of the top 14 teams. You couldn't even find them nowhere. So, Right. Um, so they, they have a lot to prove and you have cousins, you have wall. They have a lot to prove um, cousins in a contract year, basically for him. Um, yeah. Wood, a lot of people wrote him off in his career. So he still yeah. has a lot to prove even with the contract. So I think this team is extremely hungry and they're going to come out and kind of show that tomorrow. Um, and we just kind of, you kind of mentioned the Aaron Fox, um, He's kind of the key to their whole team, uh, let's be honest. Um, so how do you kind of see the Rockets defending him? Do you see a scenario where maybe Gordon is doing most of the def- uh, defending against him? Because I know Wall is a better defender than Westbrook, but we still don't really know how he's going to fare on defense. So how do you think the Rockets kind of can combat, you know, De'Aaron Fox? And uh, I guess you kind of throw in Buddy he- Hill. I mean, he's more of a secondary player, but, yeah. you know, him and Harrison Barnes, players like that, how do you think they can kind of um, defend those players? So, honestly, uh, based on John Wall's comments today, he was talking about, hey, you know, I'm a really good defender. A lot of people don't know that about me. And I heard him say, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to showing that tomorrow. So, based on those kind of comments, it almost sounds like he wants to be the primary defender on Fox. Yeah. 
uh, which would be a good way for him to show he's a good defender. I mean, John Wall was an all-defense. Uh, he's been years because he hasn't really played in years. But John Wall's all-defense. All like I said, I, I think they have similar skill sets as it pertains to their athleticism, getting to the basket. Um, so in my thoughts as far as how to defend Fox, like you said, I mean, he's a catalyst. But if John Wall wants to prove that he, you know, he's a good defender, this is a good opportunity for him. As far as Buddy Heald, um, I think that Gordon would be a good uh, assignment for uh, for Buddy Heald. Uh, both of them are, are, you know, second second unit. Um, you know, well, not second unit, but uh, Buddy Heald does a, a lot of his damage um, against reserves, yeah. I feel like, uh, which which I think would, would make for a great matchup for Gordon to, to defend Heald. And I also think that Hill will have a hard time defending Gordon as well, especially Gordon looks slimmer. What we saw in the preseason, you know, him getting to the basket, kind of picking up where he left in that Lakers series. I feel like Gordon was, you know, he looked a lot more, a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be a good matchup as well. Now, as far as Barnes, um, I think you might, you know, it might be good to, to mix in some P.J. Tucker. Um, on Harrison Barnes, maybe a little bit of house, depending on how much house plays. Um, I think I don't know that we necessarily have the ultimate piece to defend Barnes. I know Barnes is he's only averaging for 14 points a game, 14 and eight, but yeah. uh, but I think that Barnes can be kind of kind of kind of tough for us to defend. Uh, what I'm really worried about is uh, Tyrese Halliburton, that guy, yeah, shooting he's been great, out. man, yeah. But well, what about you? What, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way, and and I think the kind of way you beat the Kings, you keep them off the fast break. You don't turn the ball over because I mean, Darren Fox is probably what what would you say top five fastest players in the league. So yeah. you definitely want to keep him off the fast break, and and I think that kind of goes for the whole team because they're more of a they're not really a they're going to beat you down low team like Portland or Denver. Yeah. Um, they're going to beat you out on a fast break, um, getting steals, you know, getting out on the run. So you, you definitely want to control your turnovers and make them play in half court. Because, um, like I said, they really don't – I mean, they start Rashawn Holmes. He's a decent center, but he's not really going to kill you on the inside. Right. And then they come off the bench with Hassan Whiteside, who, you know, he's kind of <laughs> – sometimes he can look great, and other times he kind of just look like he can be on Shaq and the Fool. He's just kind of just out there. So Yeah. This season, um, he hasn't looked that great this season. Yeah, exactly. He's been like, especially on defense, he's been pretty, pretty bad. So I just, I think if the Rockets come out and they take care of business, I really think they should be able to beat Sacramento. Not taking anything away from Sacramento because they are three and one. Um, but I just think that they're, they're, the biggest thing for them is, like I say, getting out on the fast break. And if the Rockets can limit that, I think they can kind of take control of the game and kind of control it. You know, especially when you have, you know, John Wall running, you know, running a point, and of course you can always get the ball to Harden. So um, I, I think it's a matter of, like I said, not letting the game get sloppy and just taking uh, taking control of uh, your turnovers, and I think the Rockets will be fine. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I think as well. Uh, but what I'm really – what I would like to see is, like I said, Wall, you know, on the offensive end, you know, John Wall and Harden kind of playing off each other. From what we've seen so far early on, the isolation plays for Harden have been, have been down, yes. which is really exciting, especially once we, you know, bring Wall back um, starting tomorrow. 
I was I, I was really impressed with Christian Woods facilitating early in the season. I know he had to kind of had to do that because we didn't have many ball handlers. But so the the last part I just said was that you know I'm really curious to see how 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 Christian Wood and Boogie play off each other because he played yeah. you know as a facilitator the first few games. Obviously he was forced to because we were without ball handlers. But uh, I, I like to see how they play off each other. Yeah, exactly, and. And that's something they that kind of pointed out in the broadcast where they kind of did the inverted uh, pick and roll, where they actually had Christian Wool starting uh, the pick and roll, which is kind of interesting, uh, considering that we really haven't seen that too much with the Rockets. Yeah. Um, like you say, he bringing up the ball and kind of controlling the offense when Harden wasn't on the court. And I think he still will kind of do that. Uh, not as much, like you said, because I think the Rockets are going to kind of stagger Harden and Walls, well, similar yeah. to what they've been doing the last well, few Russ. years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with Chris Paul before that. So, um, but um, I think that Woods, I, I think that's kind of like one of the biggest things that I really didn't know about Christian Wood, that he's a decent ball handler. Um, I, I knew he had, he was great on a fast break and pick and roll, but I didn't know he can actually facilitate the offense, which is definitely something the Rockets never really had a lot of playmakers, you know, yeah. ever since Harden's been there. And, you know, adding a big man as one of your playmakers, I mean, that would be great if that can continue. And uh, kind of well, speaking plus, on that. Plus, you, you, already, yeah. you already have that in Boogie because we know Boogie is, is a playmaker as a big, too. Exactly. That's a that's another guy that, you know, I didn't even mention. He's a, he's actually one of the better pa- big, big men passing in the league. Right. Um, and then you throw in the fact that he's, a really good outside shooter. So you have two centers that can kind of stretch the floor. Um, and that kind of just opens up everything for everybody else. And also that just kind of just helps out uh, PJ Tucker as well, because then he doesn't have to necessarily be uh, quote unquote, the the only big on the court, as we know from last year. So, right. I mean, the Rockets have a lot more dimensions to their team this year. And I think that'll kind of help them overall. They're not just, one way they can actually play two or three different t- styles of basketball, uh, which I think would be great. And, yeah. Well, I, one mean, the- I mean, one, one guy we haven't even mentioned yet is uh, Jay Sean Tate. I mean, Jay Sean yes. Tate has been a four, especially on defense. I mean, he has some great plays, some great stops on Dame. Yeah. And I mean, if you can do that to Dame, I mean, we were talking about how, you know, what the Rockets could do as far as defending Heald and defending uh, De'Aaron Fox. But I mean, we got to factor in Jay Sean Tate in that too. Yeah, actually, as you bring up Tate, I mean, he seems like the type of player, he, he kind of reminds me of a Marcus Smart type player where he just kind of doesn't matter who he's going up against. He's going to defend them the exact same way. It, whether it's a superstar or a bench player, he doesn't really care. And it, he just gives you that energy, something the Rockets really haven't had a lot of, like a, a defensive yeah. presence or a, a guy that can play above the rim. Um, they really haven't had that a lot. I mean, even when Trevor Ariza was here, he gave you that defensive energy. But at that point in his career, he really wasn't the type of guy that was going to really do anything around the basket. And then you look at the same thing with P.J. Tucker. I don't know about you, but every time they did a pick and roll with P.J. Tucker, I was just kind of like, why are we doing that? Because he wasn't doing anything at the basket. But Tate actually played center in college. So I think that helps him a lot around the basket. And you can kind of tell he has no problem scoring in traffic. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but he's probably been the biggest surprise out of all the players they brought in this year. Yeah, Tate has been a very pleasant surprise. I've liked what I've seen from him. 
Uh, I've liked what I've seen from Nawaba as well, uh, to a lesser degree. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the expectations we have for Tate, I mean, we didn't even know what to expect. This is basically his rookie years in the NBA. I mean, he played in Australia. I know he played well over there, but, yeah. you know, the, the level of competition is a little bit different. You never really know what to expect. Um, so I didn't know personally what to expect from from from, uh, from Tate. And I liked what I've seen so far. And I know he's gotten – I mean, you got to think about it. He has had to take on – probably a, a bigger role at the gates than he Rockets will probably like because yeah. of the guys being out. But I mean, he let the team in rebounds in just what, 25, 26 minutes off the bench against Denver. That was impressive. Yeah, exactly. And um, like you said, you really don't have a idea of those type of players that play overseas, what they're going to bring once they get in the NBA. Um, Cause like you said, it's a totally different uh, level of play, but you can also kind of tell um, certain players, you know, that they're going to play hard. And they're going to play the exact same way, no matter where they're playing. And he's definitely one of those type of players that has like a, like a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he didn't, uh, he wasn't, you know, some high draft pick. Um, yeah. A lot of play, uh, teams just kind of overlooked him. Sort of like a, a PJ Tucker, the exact same way. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, he kind of brings exactly what the Rockets need. And I think he definitely carved out a, a spot in the rotation, something we'll kind of maybe talk more about in the second segment, but um, definitely looking forward to tomorrow because they have a lot of um, pieces they're adding in and it's definitely going to be totally different than the first two games, which is going to be great. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So that's going to kind of do it for the first segment. So in the second segment, we're going to be talking about, we're going to actually talk about who do we think should be in the starting lineup because some of the players have been struggling, particularly, Uh, particularly House, uh, he's been struggling uh, big time in the starting lineup. And, of course, you have your, some of your players coming back and doesn't even include Ben McLemore. But we'll kind of talk about that in our second segment on and uh, who do we think should be starting going forward. So please stick around. And we are back for the second half of the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. In this particular segment, we will be discussing the Rockets starting lineup, uh, starting rotation and, you know, players that we think maybe should or should not be starting and some of the tweaks that we think Coach Silas uh, might want to consider. So I'll start there, LaShar. What are some of your thoughts uh, regarding how this Rockets lineup should be different or could be moving forward? Uh, so I've kind of went back and forth. Well, let me start. I haven't went back and forth on whether House should be starting. House shouldn't be starting. He should yeah, he, be, def- he definitely should not. <laughs> he should be coming off the bench. Um, maybe that'll get his head together because right now he just looks totally out of whack. He's not bringing anything to the game. Um, he's looked as bad as Bruno has at, at certain times in the game. Uh, yeah. Completely opposite of the way I thought he was going to come in this, um, especially given a second chance, basically to make up for um, his situation, uh, quote, unquote, in the uh, well, he, bubble. He, 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 he called it a mishap. He said it was a mishap. <laughs> mishap. I was looking for that what word he used, mishap, that he had in the bubble. Um, that's 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 one way of putting it. Um, you know, he shouldn't be starting at all. But I kind of went back and forth on who should be in his spot. Um, I've kind of been thinking Ben McLemore um, just because he's more of a guy. He's not going to be able to get his own shot. So he's probably more of a guy that needs to be playing with Harden and Wall. Um, but then at the same time, been kind of maybe Tate because he brings you that defensive energy 
um, that you can always use, especially in a starting lineup. Um, but I think at times they may kind of go back and forth. But I've, if I think for now, unfortunately, they're going to give House another chance, <laughs> at least for this game. But I think it should at least probably be Ben McLemore. I think Eric Gordon should stay the six man because I think that's a, a perfect role for him. Um, because that gives them more opportunities with the second unit, even if John Wall is running the offense. Because um, when you put him in a starting lineup, to me, he gets kind of lost between Harden, then you got Wall, then you have Wood. They all have to get their shots. So I think Gordon should still stick as a six man. And like I wrote uh, today on Space City Scoop, I actually think. Great article, um, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate that. Good editing, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I actually think that Wood should be the power forward. Maybe not every single game, because in some circumstances, you're not going up against a, a Jokic um, or somebody like that. But um, I think that he, a lot of times he should be the power forward and Cousins should be your starting center, um, just because that lets Wood play more um, more freely. He doesn't have to worry about getting in foul trouble trying to guard the big man on the other end, or you have to stick Tucker on him and he's getting worn down. Um, so to me, I think the starting lineup on most nights should be Cousins, Wood, um, probably Ben McLemore, of course, Harden and Wall. Uh, I think I don't really disagree much. You said Cousins, Wood, McLemore. Um, the only issue with starting McLemore is that I think it'll be easy for teams to hunt him out on defense. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I think, I, yeah, I mean, the idea of, of, of McLemore catch and shoot, you know, that's, that's kind of his thing. That's kind of how he reinvented himself last season. Um, shooting 40%, you know, him playing alongside Wall and Harden, they can get him open looks, get him open shots. And also, if you, especially if you're starting Boogie, you know, Boogie could kick it out to him in the corner. So that's not necessarily a bad idea. I do worry about the defense, uh, though. I don't disagree that Tucker should be uh, off the bench. You know, I, I think that I think that really that's been the better role for him all this yeah. time. Um, but because of the fact that the Rockets want to go small, and he has the defensive versatility at least to you know, and at least the build to be able to to contest you know in the post with, with bigs. Uh, that's kind of why he was I think forced to play that role. Um, but from a standpoint of Obviously, House should not be in a certain rotation. There's no doubt about that. I don't think that House, you know, I I don't think that Coach Silas is even, you know, uh, debating whether House should still be starting. I think he's gonna get now, you know, give him a, another shot, another game or two. But I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't see <clears throat> that as being much of a much much longer. Um, if you're starting Boogie and Wood. I like that idea. Obviously, we have to see, you know, how much can we play Boogie? You know, he's recently, you know, gotten injured, had some injuries, um, and he hasn't been fully healthy. Now, he's had a long time off the court, so you'd figure, you know, by now he definitely should be 100%. But I like the idea that you have is about, you know, certain matchups, having Boogie start at the five, um, where not necessarily every game. You know, I think in the games that you have to play him, you know, off the bench, then you probably would want to continue to start PJ. Um, but I do, I do worry about starting at center only because of his, yeah, as you point out in your article. I mean, his 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 build, you know, his physique. He's he's really built kind of like a KD. 
you yeah. know, to be honest, he's a little bit thicker than KD, but he's built like a KD, which makes it easier for opposing bigs like we saw with Jokic to, you know, carve him up. And like you said, there's no shame in Jokic, you know, dominating you on defense. I mean, Jokic is one of the best centers in the league, uh, definitely top five, one of the best players in the league. So that's going to happen. But I, I think I think I like that. I, I like the mix of Wood, you know, at, at the four, Boogie at the center, but definitely House not starting. And, and, and I do like Gordon running the second unit because Gordon, again, you know, he, he, he sets himself up for his own shot. I don't really like Gordon being, you know, confined to a catch, catch and shoot kind of role, which is what he would be in if he was in a starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, I kind of want to reiterate, I, I don't think Cousins, like you said, I don't think Cousins should start every single game because he still is coming off of major injuries and, multi, and you know, back-to-back years. So, he, you know, he's not going to be able to play 30-plus minutes a game. That's just not going to happen. Um, not but, right away. Not right yeah, away. not right away. And in certain, but in certain circumstances, he does need to start because like we, like we saw in the first two games, Wood still has a lot of work to do in the post as far as de- defensively. Um, even if he bulks up, he's still his technique is still off, like they were pointing out in some of the broadcasts. So he still has some work to do um, on the defensive end. And I just think him playing power forward against uh, certain teams, it just makes more sense. And uh, like you said, Tucker, um, he's, he's, he's interesting. I know he's a fan favorite. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, you know, great story um but you know sometimes he's just kind of on the court and you don't really know that he's there um he's not he's never going to be the offensive guy you know scoring 20 plus points games we know this but sometimes he doesn't even give you any points so (laughs) i just think that um i don't think silas should be married to any one particular situation like you know mike d'antoni was Oh, I just think man. that he, was too stubborn, man. <laughs> I think you should stick to whatever you think the best matchups is. And I think that goes for closing games too. I think if some games, if Tucker is 0 for 6 from the field, um, his defense is kind of waning, which, I mean, you kind of expect, I mean, he's, he's, he's getting towards the end of his career. You can't expect Tucker to be playing 40 minutes of great defense. I mean, that's it's just not possible at his age. It's also why I don't think he has a legitimate gripe for a new contract, but that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other story, which I agree with you on, but that's a whole nother story or a whole nother segment. But, uh, but yeah, I, I still think he can give you that 40 minutes a game anymore. So I, I just think that if he's not giving you what you, what you need on either side of the ball, he doesn't necessarily have to finish the game. I think you're fine finishing the game with, Wood and Cousins in your front court. And even sometimes you may not even have McLemore finishing the game. I think, though, he's going to have Gordon finishing a lot of these games. Yeah, closing. Um, closing it. So um, I think that's kind of, you know, a given. But, again, there's a difference between having your starting lineup. And at the end of the day, it's really about who's in, in the game. And I think we kind of agree it's going to be probably Harden, Wall, Gordon. Not probably Harden and Wall, but it's going to be Harden, Wall, Definitely, Gordon. Yeah. Um, Wood, and then it's going to be a mixture of Tucker and then Cousins. So, yeah, it just kind of depends on who they're playing. And but that's a good thing, they have a flexible roster now. Finally, yeah, yeah, it feels like you know, uh, it feels like we've never really had, or I wouldn't say we haven't had the ability, we just haven't had a coach 
who was willing to go that deep in his lineup, you know. Yes. Um, I, I think in a, this team is better than what team I think we've had in recent years as far as depth goes. But I do think that we had the depth to play more than six or seven players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just one of the one of the many things about Dan Tony that, you know, was frustrating as a, as a Rockets fan. Very, you know, arrogant because he's very stubborn. But but yeah, I mean, I feel like we do have that that flexibility, which which is good to be able to, like you say, we either we can either close a Tucker or we can close a Boogie, depending on the situation. It might be both, you know, depending on the situation, it might be, you know, Wall, Harden, um, PJ Wood, and Boogie. Who knows? Um, that's really good that we had that flexibility as far as our starting lineup. Now, I did want to ask you as far as our um, what are your thoughts about our bench, in particular a player who sticks out like a sore thumb, uh, Bruno Caboclo, that's prevented us from getting Gerald Green? Uh, so I don't even know how much more. I don't think you will even see Bruno back on the court unless some you know, crazy happens, which, you know, of course, we don't want uh, major injuries or more COVID issues um, because Bruno is just – uh, what's the saying? He's three years away from being three years away. Two, two years uh, away from being two years away. See, I'm sorry, I added a year. Um, <laughs> like, well, now he's like two years away from being eight years away. Seems. <laughs> being eight years away. So I, I don't think you're going to see him too much more on the court. Um, honestly, I'm kind of curious to see what Mason Jones can bring you too. Um, but yeah. as far as the, the, the bench overall, I think this is a, just like the starting lineup. It's a, it's a bench that's more flexible more versatile i still do think they need another um big man just in case because we do know cousins injury history and there may be some games where you just sit cousins out um it, i know the yeah. rockets only have like five back-to-backs in the first half so it may not be that huge of an issue but it still may be some game where you rest cousins so i think somebody like a Todd gibson would be great um, as uh, you know, emergency backup center, sometimes just somebody that can uh, give you some solid minutes. But I, I think, like you were saying, there's a good possibility Green could be back towards the trade deadline um, because, yeah. as we all know, we don't know if Stone is the same way as more as far as having to do a trade every single year. Yeah. Um, but it's a good chance that they make a trade. So it's uh, I can see Green coming back. Um, maybe right before uh, before the trade deadline and um, somebody like Bruno, maybe they'll stick him in the G league or maybe they just cut him out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the latter happens because um, <laughs> I think we've seen how, you know, the whole idea of him on the G league and then, Oh, you know, show some promise, you know, fancy excited and then give him some minutes and even garbage time, albeit, and, you know, he's not ready. You know, um, I wish that we could have, uh, well, would have had Isaiah Hardenstein instead of um, yes, true. Bruno, because it is a fact that Silas would have definitely given Hardenstein some burn. Um, and he's looked pretty solid in, in Denver this season, too. But uh, but that's not who we have. We've, we've got Bruno right now. Uh, I do think that, like you said, considering that we are relying on Bruno or, or he's on our team still, we do need to get another big. Taj Gibson is a name out there still out there. Um, there's a few other players that, that, that are still out there that could come in, you know, as, as a big off the bench. But I do think we're going to need that um, in order for us to, to really uh, shore up our, our bigs, especially against the, the bigger teams like a Denver or like yeah. a Portland, per se, or Lakers. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're going to need some another big guy because the Rockets have never really had, you know, some centers they have two or three, six, ten, seven foot center they can just throw out there anytime. And the Rockets haven't had that in a very long time. So I think adding another player, especially considering that you don't know if Wood's going to be a center or power forward some games and Cousins coming off injuries and then you don't have anybody else. So they can definitely use another another center. And, you know, you got spots like and – and I know it kind of depends on whether Taj Gibson is willing to accept, accept the minimum, which at this point, I mean, no other team has brought him in. So, right, you know, it's, it's definitely a possibility. So I, I think they still have options on their bench, and I think they're kind of waiting to see how everything plays out with a full – uh, roster in the next week or so, and they can still bring somebody in. So it'd be interesting to see how you know the whole starting lineup works out and how the closing lineup start you know goes as well. Um, so that'll kind of do it for the second segment. And this final segment, we're going to actually go over the next ten games, uh, which kind of includes some uh, pretty good games, pretty big games for the Rockets, including the, the Dallas Mavericks, the Lakers twice. Um, so we'll kind of give our overall impression on how the next 10 games are going to go. So, uh, please stick around. And we are back for our final segment of the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. All right, Anthony. So this is the final segment. It's the final segment. We're going to kind of go over, uh, the next 10 games, but really just kind of overall, view of how we see the Rockets doing the next couple of weeks. Um, so let's kind of just start with um, how do you kind of see them in the next 10 games? Cause like I said, they got a couple of games, back-to-back games with the Lakers. They have some games with, you know, some of the middle tier teams like the Spurs. And um, they also got a couple a game with Indiana and Dallas. And of course the first two games with Sacramento. So kind of where do you see the Rockets um, in the next 10 games? Um, so I think, I mean, I think we can pencil in Sacramento. Uh, I think we should win. Uh, I feel confident saying we'll win both, but at the worst case, let's just be, let's just let's just say we're gonna split those games. The Dallas game will be a big one. Uh, that game's at home. I think we will beat Dallas. Indiana on the road. I see us. I see us beating. So I see us going. Uh, I've got win versus Sacramento. Well, both wins versus Sacramento. I've got win versus Dallas, win versus Indy, win versus Orlando. Lakers game, I think, will be – I think the first one we might drop to them. I think we'll win the second one. Um, Spurs, I'm not really worried about the Spurs. That game's not on a back-to-back either. I mean, I think realistically we should only lose to the Lakers once. Um, but even if we split against Sacramento, because they, like I said, they they are three and one this season. I think worst case we'll go eight and two. Yeah, I think we're kind of along the same lines. I, I would say uh, seven and three at the worst, and the only reason I say that because these back-to-back games is always hard to win both games. Um, because it always yeah. seemed like you know, when they lose one game, it's kind of like a playoff series. That team's gonna come back even harder that second game. So, I mean, I think at the worst seven and three. Um, like you said, a split maybe with Sacramento. Um, and I think if it was a case where they play Sacramento Thursday, then they play Sacramento again, maybe like next Wednesday. I say they win both those games, but it's just a matter of they're playing back to back. Um, 
Same thing with the Lakers. I think they pick up one of those games with the Lakers um, and then maybe drop one of the games with San Antonio um, just because it's always kind of tough with San Antonio with Popovich teams for some reason. doesn't matter who they have or who they don't have. It always seems like it's a tough kind of go with the Spurs. So, yeah, I think 73-82 is a really good mark for them, especially considering they dropped the first two games and they kind of – get some going into the season and kind of get some right in the, the thick of a, you know, home court, whatever, whether that actually matters again this year or not yeah. um, on the home court side. But I mean, it's still good to not to have to travel if you don't, if you don't necessarily have to. So yeah, um, I think like seven, three, eight and two kind of really put them in the thick of things as far as the um, Western conference goes. And uh, like I say, I think, you know, it's still early, but, the Lakers is definitely going to be a measuring stick game because we all saw once the Lakers kind of switched their identity in that second game in the playoffs, unfortunately, they kind of just wiped the Rockets right off the court. Yeah. And I think this is kind of be kind of an early test to kind of see if there's going to be any difference between last year and this year. Well, yeah, that's true. And one thing we know about John Wall is he has kind of always risen to the occasion when he plays against LeBron James teams. He's always played yeah. a lot better um, or raise a level of play. The Lakers game would be a good litmus test for us. Uh, I don't think they really care about, about, about that game. No, no the they Lakers, don't. The Lakers don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it will be, you know, it will be a good litmus test for us to see, you know, kind of how we stack up, how we measure against them and Dallas game too. I think the Dallas game will be good for us to see, you know, how, how we measure up against, you know, what they've got. Cause they, I think they also got a little bit better. Um, in the offseason as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But like I said, I don't really see it being worse than eight and two personally. Yeah. And speaking about Dallas, um, kind of a live update here on the podcast. It, as we speak, they're getting beat by 30 by Charlotte. But uh, <laughs> um, <Okay>. I think, <laughs> I think um, I, even though with Dallas, I did see that Porzingis is kind of close to being back, um, which that kind of will make a big difference, of course, with Dallas. But um, but yeah, like you said, I think um, the Lakers will be kind of a, a big test, um, but just being able to overall just kind of get into a flow and hopefully there's no more hiccups and they can kind of get everybody going in the same direction. Um, I think eight and two is definitely not out of the you know, realm of possibilities. And if they're going eight and two in these next 10 games, um, just kind of looking ahead after that, the schedule um, is definitely not hard. I mean, you got games mixed in with, um, even though the Bulls are a little bit better this year, um, then you got Detroit, you got the Wizards. So that's the first game they're actually going to play. That's going to be on the 26th of January, uh, maybe against Westbrook. Um, yeah. Then you got uh, teams like New Orleans, Portland, who's a yeah. little bit better. But then you got Oklahoma City back to back, Memphis. I mean, the schedule after the first after these next ten games is. Um, I mean, I know it's the NBA; anybody can win, but. The Rockets can really make up some hay um, in yes. these next um, 20, 30 games. I mean, the schedule is lining up perfect for them with limited amount of back-to-backs. Um, like I say, only five back-to-backs in the first part before, you know, NBA releases the second part of the schedule. So I think the Rockets are setting up pretty well. And um, if they can get off to a great start and kind of – it will be nice if they can actually get to a point where they can be that team toward the end of the year resting players – I mean, I know Harden never wants to rest, so but I'm talking more about Boogie and Wall and players like that. So uh, it'll be interesting um, to see kind of where they come out after the schedule. But 
Um, another thing I kind of wanted to bring up to you or ask you about in this final segment is what's kind of your overall feelings on the whole Harden situation now that we see that Brooklyn is pretty much out of it with Spencer Dinwiddie being hurt out for the rest of the year. We've been seeing kind of um, average pedestrian kind of performances from players like Tyler Hero and from Ben Simmons. So what's kind of your thoughts on where the Harden situation kind of stands right now? So my thoughts are that it always made the most sense to keep him. Uh, obviously, the Rockets want to do that. But, you know, they aren't the ones who brought this up. He, he brought this whole trade stuff up. You know, if if his reason for wanting to go was because he wanted to go just to Brooklyn, which is what they said, or at least what Woj said when he first reported it. Well, that's not going to happen anyways. First of all, I don't think that Brooklyn ever had much to offer, right? Especially if the Rockets want to start to replace him, which you always want to do. Um, and now that, like, like, we, like we discussed, um, Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie is out, torn ACL. He's not even, you know, the, it, it would seem like a deal won't happen with Brooklyn. So then I started looking at the other options. You know, it's like, why would Harden want to go to Philly? I know because he can play with, you know, he can be alongside Daryl again. But, you know, is that team better than this Rockets team? No, I don't think so. Um, even with him, do, are they better than Brooklyn? They've looked really good. You know, I don't think so either. Yeah. So then it's we've heard that the Milwaukee uh, and Miami kind of backed away. I don't really think Miami had much to offer. Like you said, Hero's not. He never really was a comparable piece. <laughs> no, um, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like Portland. He mentioned them. I don't really think they have much uh, equal. I mean, they would have to gut their entire roster. Which again, if he went there after they stripped their whole team, is like. You're left with just you, Damon Rocco. Is that really enough? The West? No, I don't think so. And that team's not better than this Rockets team. So then, only team left is Boston. Uh, I know that uh, Jalen Brown went off tonight, um, yes. and he's having a really good start to his season this year as a whole. So maybe you'd say if you can get Brown and Smart uh, and some draft picks, maybe that might be the best uh, I offer. But if I'm Harden, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to go to Boston? play alongside Kimba you know um I know that Tatum you know I, I know I know that Tatum is 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 a rising you know young player rising star but I don't really know how Harden and Kimba you know will play in the same backcourt so my, my thoughts are that from the Rockets standpoint obviously the goal is to hold on to Harden as long as you can if he really only wants to go to Brooklyn like they said well that's not going to happen anyways uh if you got to trade him then mind the Philly thing. I know Ben Simmons hasn't played necessarily. He's been up and down this season. The reason why I like that is because you do need to restock your draft picks. And we yeah. know that Daryl Morey probably is the only person that would give up three or four first round draft. Picks. Well, not only, <laughs> but but, yeah. but he, he would he would gladly give up three or four first round draft picks uh, for Harden. So I, I get that. Like I said, I think Boss said you can get Smart and Brown. You know, that's a solid solid package. But to me, the best bet is just to hold on to him. What's your thoughts? Yeah, and I agree. And I kind of agree from the start. Like, not only is it better for him, because any team he goes to, they're going to have to give up a large amount of their core, but it's just better for the Rockets. Um, you're never going to get – you're never going to get the same value or better value for a superstar player. It just – it rarely ever happens. And then also in the Rockets' case, Harden's in the contract for two more years at least. So – why would you rush? I mean, I know 
NBA Twitter, and I know um, a lot of the so-called NBA insiders were hoping that stuff gets done quickly because it's a better story. But I mean, if you're the Rockets, why in the world would you do that? I mean, I know people think Stone is a rookie GM, but Stone has been around the Rockets for even longer than Daryl Morey was. So yeah. he's been in the he's been in the room with a lot of these deals. He knows what exactly to do and what not to do. So he's not going to just going to go out there and just give Harden away for nothing just to make people happy. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> that's that's just dumb business. Um, right. So I just think it's best just to keep Harden honestly for the rest of the year. Now, if it doesn't work out this year and he's still disgruntled, then maybe the next year, yeah, you look into trading well, away but at the very least you definitely keep him until the trade deadline it's like zero reason to trade him before the trade deadline as we see Harden's not going to go out there and just not play so yeah. he's just not, he's not he's not that type of player he's not built that way so he's going to go out there and give you your all he's, he's he's still your best chance to win so it's like zero reasons to trade him right now and um like I said just definitely just keep him around and kind of see where it goes and Maybe you can change his mind, but I actually, I do want to ask you something before we go, because this is kind of the first time we've talked about this. Why do you think, do you think it's more about the team why Harden wants to go, or is it more about a certain person in the front office? <laughs> so, so I, I, I know I, I can read the tea leaves on this, and I read the tea leaves. Um, I mean, we it, it makes it tough is that he hasn't actually said anything. You know, he's had like his mom speak out for him. He's had, you know, his sister. There's, there, there's this mom bear who Rockets Twitter is convinced may or may not be his mom. Rockets Rock <laughs> Detective Twitter, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's hard to say why, why does he want to go. Uh, they said, you know, at least uh, Kelly Eco, I read one of his articles that, no, no, I think it might have been Tim McMahon. One of the two of them said that he requested a trade before. Um, yes. So maybe this is, you know, kind of par for the course for him. But I don't really get it. The reports were that he preferred John Wall over Russ. And then once the Rockets get John Wall, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he still wants to get out of here. So I really don't get it. It, it would seem like, you know, maybe there's an issue with him and Tillman. Um, and I know that the favorite thing to do on Rockets Twitter is to bash Tillman. And, and, and he <laughs> – He's certainly not, you know, uh, innocent in all this. He's made some decisions and made some comments, especially that, you know, you're like, uh, are you trying to help yourself at all here? You know, but when it comes to, I don't think he's ever really said anything bad about Harden. I know that people, there's this, this conspiracy theory that, you know, Tillman leaked Harden's trade request and that that might be what made him upset. You know, Um, I, I really don't know what it is. If it's the fact that if it's the fact that that he didn't get the coach that he wanted, well, he got to get over that because they still have Lucas and Silas is is more than qualified for the job. Silas is a good coach, and Silas is helping him out by making it you know the load lighter on him, less ISO, you know, more ball movement, all that things that D'Antoni didn't do. So if it's the fact that D'Antoni and Daryl are gone, well, that's just the nature of the business. He has to understand that. And I get it for him. It will be tough because since he's been in Houston, Daryl's been like here the whole time. He's been a stalwart. Um, Dan Tony's been here the last, you know, four, uh, three, four years or so as well. So maybe if it's just a hit like the change, then, you know, he just has to understand that's just the nature of the business. If it's the fact that, you know, he felt that the Rockets were, I think I read somewhere that uh, initially that he felt that the Rockets were, 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 
not building. Uh, he thought that the Rockets were, you know, not contending, right. uh, and they were amidst a rebuild. I mean, they did rebuild their roster, but when you think rebuild, you think like, you know, you just tank for draft picks, you know, kind of the, the, the OKC model, you yes. know, uh, and Rockets aren't doing that. So I really don't get it. I think this team, if if he at least gives it a shot, and I don't just mean playing two games, I mean, like really gives it to give this a shot, you know, I think he realized that this team is a lot better than maybe he thought coming into the season. But as far as why he wants out, I have no clue, man. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's all confusing to me because, I mean, if you think about it, I don't know how you can't like the roster because you haven't played with the roster. So how do you even know that? And how do you even know how good of a coach stylist is going to be or not be? I mean, you haven't you haven't been here long enough with any of these people to know that. I can see if it was the same team for the last three or four years and you're like, okay, I'm tired of this. It's basically a brand new team. Now, I, I a part of me thinks that it really just really started with he wanted to play with Durant and then it kind of snowballed from there that, well, they found out he wanted to play with Durant. And now that maybe that's not a possibility. Well, now I'm kind of out there. So I'll just say, I don't want to play with the Rockers all. You can put me on uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. I even heard them come up and I'll be fine with that. (laughs) But I think it was more of a fact that he just talked with Durant and he wanted to play with his buddy, his other buddy. Um, so I, I think that was more of it than anything else. Um, but it was just a weird situation just all around because it tied in with Westbrook, not in one to be here anymore. And that's a whole another segment I won't get into. Yeah. Um, but it's just a weird thing overall. I think it's, I mean, if you believe Mon Bear, um, which a lot of people <laughs> seem to have, <laughs> seem to think it is Harden Mom, I mean, it, folks, it's, yeah. Yeah, it seems it's more about, honestly, more about Tim and Fertitta than anybody else because yeah. from everything I've seen that that person has put out there, it's been mostly about Tim and Fertitta and not wanting to be around him anymore, which, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you never really know unless the player actually comes out and say it. And we all know NBA players today rarely actually say what they mean. It's mainly cryptic tweets and pictures of caps and cans and and tennis shoes they don't really say what they mean anymore so it's kind of like you never really know so I don't think we're gonna really ever know because Harden not to really the type that's just gonna come out and say it I was actually shocked that he actually even made comments about the whole um birthday strip club yeah Christmas thing the the party for his homegirl that's becoming a boss um i'm surprised he actually said yeah. anything about that because that's just rare for Harden to say anything really so at the end of the day i'm at the point now where i'm not even worried about the trade rooms i'm just like watching the product on the court and if he gets traded you know i don't think he should but if he gets traded i mean that's part of it but i just think that at this point there's really no logical reason to trade him yeah i mean again unless there's something that well, I mean, even if there's something that's really bothering him, he's under contract for two more years. Yeah, exactly. And then he has a – and what nobody's talking about is he's got a $47 million opt-in. I mean, is he yes. not going to take that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, so real quick, because if he's – if let's say he stays for two years, I mean, I know he's hardened, but he's not going to be great forever. So yeah. is another team really going to offer him more than that if he opts out? Uh, I mean, I don't know. 
It's just it's just weird. I don't think he. Yeah, I don't really think so. I mean, he's thirty one right now, right? Yes. So then, by the time the by the time he's able to opt out, he would his birthday's in like in like in August. I think. Yeah, I think it's somewhere around there. So he's yeah, I mean he's already three. Yeah, he's pretty close to the same age as Westbrook. So, yeah, I mean, another couple of years, he'll yeah. be 33, 34. So, um, towards yeah, the end of his prime. And he's not getting $47 million or $50 million offered to him at that point. Exactly. Yeah, what, I'm, what, I, what I'm curious to know is is if he were to go to the Rockets and say, hey, you know what, I'll reconsider that. I'll take that $100 million extension. Uh, would they still – is it on the table still? Yeah, I think they'll do it in a second just because, <laughs> I mean – yeah, at the end of the day, you got to think about your Harden is just—he's not only their best player. I mean, he's the franchise. I mean, he's the yeah. face of everything that they try to do. So, I think that they will still give him the money just like that. You know, I know people, like you said, I know people don't like Tim and Fertitta, especially on Rockets Twitter. But <laughs> even he's not that. Even he's smart enough to know that if Harden still wants to be here, you give Harden the money and then you just move on. So. Yeah, I right. think up until the last second, I think they will still um, offer him that money. I'm really curious to see if or how long it'll be before we see the alert from Woes or Shams or Tim McMahon <laughs> that, that Harden has decided to recommit or that Harden has, you know, withdrew his request. You know, I'm, 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 I'm really curious to see. Sorry, my yeah. dog is barking. Uh, but I'm really curious to see, you know, how, how long it'll be before we see that or hear that. Yeah. I mean, like I say, it'd be, it'll be interesting, and um, we'll kind of just see how everything plays out. But for now, he is still on the roster, so we will get to see almost a full squad tomorrow. So that'll definitely be uh, interesting, and I know all Rockets fans will be looking forward to that. So that'll kind of that'll wrap it up for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad podcast covering your Houston Rockets.